When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Everything Is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and joined by our football editor Mark Douglas for a takeover Update, of course, that is all we, we can talk about, all we have been talking about since the news broke on Saturday. Um, Mark, just give us your latest understanding of where things are at regarding a potential takeover by the Saudi uh, royal family. Um, well, it's not the Saudi royal family um, per se. It seems to be a consortium uh, led by Amanda Staveley. Um, and it, at the moment, it feels as if we're at the stage where it's it's kind of up to to Mike Ashley, really, what what happens next, where he judges, how how serious he judges um, the Amanda Stavely bid, which, you know, we're assured by the buying side is absolutely credible and serious. Um, obviously involves uh, Amanda Stavely kind of brokering the deal, 10% for the Rubin brothers, who are property developers, billionaires themselves, and then 80% from, um, as it has been reported, the public investment fund which is the sovereign wealth fund from the from the saudis i think that's all information that people people already know anyway they've been around the table for months and months and months since before rafa benitez uh, left and saturday the news kind of came into the public domain um no idea where the leaks come from obviously um, but it's been it was described pretty early on as if this report had genuine substance to it and we Personally, I mean, I can't speak for other reporters on, on on the paper, but I knew that things were going on in the background. Possibly the Saudi involvement was was news to me, um, but I did know that, that Amanda Stavely had, had not gone anywhere. I think we've mentioned that on previous podcasts and, um, you know, drawn a bit of cynicism on that one. Um, I do know that uh, although, you know, there's been a lot of talks and, and I think it's sort of been mentioned probably from the buying side that we're, uh, we're, we're at a point where a lot of the... Uh, terms and, and and requirements have been satisfied, and they believe the proof of funds have been has been made now to the to the sellers. Um, my understanding, as of close of play yesterday, was that um, there wasn't paperwork in with the Premier League, so that suggests to me that there's not a deal um, a deal done yet. And it also suggests that you know we we'd be a few weeks away from the from any deal being ratified, which is obviously where. Where the you know the very much the end game, but that doesn't mean that they there couldn't be a, a statement that comes on the club website anytime soon, saying a gr- an agreement or a deal has been reached in principle, um, which I think will be the next big thing to watch for if it's going to happen, um, saying that this deal has been done. But I, I think we're probably at the stage where Mike Ashley now, or, or you know, it's probably come to a bit of a head where Ashley, I think, from my information, is prepared to probably get around the table now um, and, you know, give give any further demands or or bargaining, you know, bargaining room that, that's needed, which would be kind of, you know, the, towards the end of the process. Um, 
it just depends who you speak to. And that's always been the problem with, with, with takeover stories. You know, we saw in the summer, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I'm cautious because, you know, I, I think you have to be because there's 50,000 Newcastle fans or more sitting here waiting for, 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 you know, a kind of positive black or white update. Um, and I'm probably with them, to be honest with you, all I can re- relay is what I'm hearing. My phone's been going crazy since, since Saturday. Um, a lot of people who I've not spoken to for a while asking what I know. Some people asking, you know, giving what they know as well. Um, and and it's it's really difficult. I mean, there are people kind of close to the deal suggesting that you know, optim, you know, op, the optimism is 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 pretty high. Um, but then again, there's a lot of things that I've heard before. You know, I see. I remember the from Sunday, the, the Financial Times did, a, did their piece. That mentioned that the book, the um, the accounts were going to come off the books of of uh, Sports Direct, but we've been there before. You know, I, I remember last Christmas. I mean, actually, remember went on telly to say that it was um, he, he thought a deal would be done quickly, and it was my understanding that people at the club were convinced then that the club was going to be sold. Um, so all of that kind of excitement and 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 thing was there as again, and obviously it didn't happen. But then the problem was funds did Kenyan have enough to actually do the deal you know if the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia is involved as as is as is claimed um, and as doesn't hasn't been disputed yet I've not had independent verification of that but I've but I've also tried to get to go to them and I've not had a denial um but I don't know you know how things work in the Middle East in terms of you know uh, they have a press office the the um the investment fund but you know, they don't have freedom of press over there that we have. So whether they're as accountable, whether there are press officers working for the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund who can brief journalists, I, I very much doubt it's that it's that way. Um, and, you know, the only thing is we've not had a denial. And I gather, obviously, you've spoken to somebody to do with the, the Rubin brothers and um, not had a denial either. You've had a no comment, um, which to me, you know, is, suggests there's something there again. So... You know, we're just kind of waiting and sitting tight at the moment and, and um, it could have a few more days or even weeks to play out. Yeah, I hope not. I hope we get a resolution pretty quickly and I hope it's the resolution that the club is in new hands because I think that's what that's what we need. Well, the Crown Prince, when he was linked to Manchester United, um, his uh, government minister for media, I think it was, came out quite quickly to say that it wasn't yeah. true, that the, the, the actual public investment fund was yeah. not investing in Manchester United. Um, I'm not entirely sure how many days between the story coming out and him coming out and saying it, but um, you would imagine that if, the, if there wasn't something in it and talks weren't continuing, that we would get a denial, you know, relatively yeah. quickly. But again, the problem with that is, and I totally agree with you, and that would be my feeling, is that is circumstantial evidence rather than uh, yes, direct course. evidence. And I think that that has been the problem with all of these takeover stories is that you can get to people, you know, close to the deal... And actually, our reporter Lee Ryder, I believe, has excellent sources on this. So really, pay attention to what to what he's 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 reporting because he you know he is really at the heart of this. Um, but you, but there are a lot of people, you know, around the edges of these things, and they will tell you things. And the problem is that although you know a lot of the time those things are correct, um, they you know or even correct to their best of their knowledge, it is. Putting, I don't think putting two and two together is not the right phrase, but it's it's building a picture of what's going on, 
rather than directly being able to get into the room and say this is what's going on. And that's an unfamiliar position for a journalist to be because I'm used to dealing with players, agents, managers, CEOs who will tell you, or if you've developed contact, they can tell you definitively whether this is going to happen. So when you're dealing with a transfer story, for example, I've had it before where an agent has rung rung me up and said, this is happening, I am the one doing the deal, or a club will tell you, yep, that's happening, um, or this is not happening. Um, The problem is with the takeover story, I think it's difficult to get that. I have dealt with, I mean, the last Bin Zayed group story, I was dealing with people who were involved in the deal, yet the things that they were telling me did not stack up with independent, um, the independent sources that were then telling me because they would say, I mean, obviously the, the, the statement that was released by them in the summer said, we are in fit and proper persons tests, but the Premier League were not in that stage. So what do you do then? What do you do? And that is where we are here. It's why the only thing I can say to people listening is that while, you know, there was some really good reporting being done on this, I don't think we'll know black or white until either the club confirm it or there is some form of kind of briefing from, it'll have to be the Ashley end because the Stavely end will will, will kind of fight this one to the end. It will have to be the Ashley end or the club's end saying, this isn't happening, we move on. Now in the summer that took months and months, didn't it, until effectively there was no comment from the club until Ashley actually did his interview in the Daily Mail, which was the end of July. And the first links to um, Binside came in May, so May, June, July, you know, you're talking two and a half months. It can't be allowed to go on for that long this time. Um, People have asked me, does it feel different? Um, Yeah, it does. It does feel different this time. Um, But, you know, again, I'm kind of like, it's a feeling in my waters rather than like, you know, definitively. And then people will say, oh, well, you said the same about Bin Zayed. You said the same about Kenyon. But as I've said just then, I've given you the reasons why we said that those were verifiable and um, and honest links then. You know, I think we saw with what was the Mexican group or, or the Orlegi group and GACP. I don't think we ever treated them quite as seriously as we treat this one because although there was substance to both of those and on the record we have that now, it never felt as if those were as close as this one. Um, and you know, there's obviously been talk of two others consortia, but nobody's really treating them. It's been mentioned, hasn't it? But it's nobody's treating them as if they're gonna usurp this. Um, so it's down to Amanda Stavely now. Now, I've heard her, she was obviously described as a time waster by people close to Ashley not that long ago. I don't see it that way. I don't see what she's done in the last two years in regard to Newcastle United as the actions of a time waster. Um, You know, she's had to take a few knocks, hasn't she, in terms of her credibility and things. But the people I speak to would sort of tell me that um, she would be great for Newcastle United. Um, The kind of due diligence that she's done around Newcastle United is extensive. Uh, City Council contacted by the group in 2017. The Falcons... Um, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Now, they, ha- they haven't got in touch with the Newcastle Supporters Trust this time, and I think that's probably a, because they've tried to keep it as under the radar as possible. Um, 
you know, it's been suggested that she's leaked it. I don't believe that's the case because people knew about it, you know, in the summer and didn't report on it. So if she wanted it out in the summer, that would have been a good time to, if she was trying to force Ashley's hand, that would have been a good time to do it. Um, I would, you know, I would think she, you know, and, I, and I, you kind of run the risk here of kind of making yourself look silly. But based on what I've seen, I think she'd be, her and her husband look like, you know, they've got the right idea about what Newcastle United needs. It looks like they've done their done their extensive research and worked out what would make this club tick. Now, we get ahead of yourself, but um, they would make mistakes. They would do things that would be, um, they would do, they would make mistakes, you know, it, the guys who, who um, owned Wolves made mistakes in the first year. They made a lot of mistakes. They brought in the wrong manager and didn't get promoted the first year. But then look what they've done since then. You know, this could potentially be, um, in my opinion, transformative for Newcastle United. It could be, it could give the fans, I think the the fans in, of Newcastle United are desperate for a reason to love their club unconditionally again. And nobody feels like that at the moment, really. I think everybody has that kind of asterisk over it. Um, I actually think the club are making, as it in its current state, are doing some really good things. But it's going to be a slow growth with Ashley there. In fact, it might not be, it might not happen at all because there'll be a lot of people who just refuse to engage with them. Um, if there was a new owner, it could turbocharge some of the things that they're doing behind the scenes. And it would really give everybody a chance to push it an open door for a Newcastle United that everybody can get behind and a real positivity that we haven't had for years and years. Um, but we just have to wait and see now. Just go back to the leaks there because plenty of reports and understanding actually that Mike Ashley was not overly pleased that that came out. And it seemed to be from the, from the club side that they were actually shocked that it came out on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to remember that the people in that that, that room when it comes to negotiations are... You know, will be a very small number of people will really know what's going on, um, and I don't believe that there's quite a lot of people at Newcastle United that, that will will have an idea of what's going on, but won't know the exact state of play. You know, I, I, Steve Bruce didn't know. I don't think will not know what state negotiations are at. I mean, I'm sure he'll be asking questions. It might be the Lee. I mean, I don't know. I think Lee Charney will know a fair idea of what's going on, but. He might not know the exact state of play, um, and yeah, they were they were shocked, they were surprised. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I think you know Newcastle had a lot of criticism for their no comment stance, and we criticised them in the summer for it. But it was explained to me since as you know, look, they've got non they've got non disclosure agreements on a lot of these things, um, and their opinion is look, we don't want to give a running commentary on takeover stuff because um, it doesn't aid anybody. It might be that Mike Ashley might be briefing today that it's nonsense, but it might be that tomorrow um, the Saudi well, you know, he gets a phone call from Crown Prince bin Salman or his or his sovereign wealth wealth advisor saying, "Look, we want to do this. You know, what do you want?" And and then you know the club are briefed that it's rubbish, and then the next day it's changed suddenly, and they're kind of having to ring journalists and say, "Oh, you know what we said yesterday." So. I think they probably, although it would be nice to get an idea from them where we stand, they're in a, they're between a rock and a hard place when it comes to stuff like takeovers. And I think their their pledge to us, their pledge to the fans, is that as soon as something 
actually happens, they'll let us know. So I would think probably that will mean that when a statement is released saying a deal's done, we'll get five-minute warning or a 10-minute warning or whatever. Hold by your guns, this statement's going out. Or even a minute warning, text, we put something on the website, here you go. And that'll be the kind of thing where we stand. So, you know, the leaks situation, um, you've got, it's such a, if the, if the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia are involved, that is a huge story across the world. And, you know, how are you going to keep that under wraps? We've already just said there that people were aware of Amanda Staveley still being interested in the summer. I had a phone call from somebody when Binside were interested saying Staveley's still in. Um, and people knew. So to try and prevent it from leaking, you know, there's always going to be somebody who wants to write it. If I'd have known this story, the Saudi wealth fund are interested in Newcastle United, would I have sat on it? No. Who, who's going to, you know? I mean, I know some people might have, some people have sat on certain aspects of certain things of the story, but this is huge. And, you know, the leaks, if the leaks have come from somebody trying to bounce Mike Ashley into selling, then I think that's foolhardy. And and but but you know I think that probably what will be happening at the moment is that probably the, the two sides are getting together and there'll be a lot of denial of well it's not come from us it's not come from us but this is a murky business about three months ago I received an email from a Proton Mail account with the with the um, brochure that the GACP group were putting out to try and take Newcastle United now who leaked that I've never been able to find out where. It's a murky, murky business. So Mike Ashley, you know, and, and let's not forget that Mike Ashley, um, in the past, there has been a tribunal judgment on Mike Ashley and the situation where he, he, you know, he himself admitted that there have been times when, you know, he's put out something in the public. I mean, this was way back when with the Keegan thing. We all know that judgment. So it's a, football is a murky business. Let's not pretend you know, that, that, that it's all there. This talk of like him being furious about leaks, I'm sure he is, but he was the one who went on Sky a year ago and said, I'm hopeful that this deal's going to be done. Nobody was talking about Peter Kenyon um, then. Suddenly it became big news. Maybe he's learned from that. Maybe Staveley's learned from that. But the leak should not, the leak should not, I, I don't think it's helpful, but if this deal is going to be done, that should not, in my opinion, be the end of the end of it. I'm sure that, you know, it has, it, it's not helped, has it? Because it's now got us all talking about it. What I would have liked is for it to leak at the point where the Premier League had all the paperwork and were doing the due diligence and it leaked then and you're like, it's been done. An agreement has been done and all it needs now is the Premier League to meet with the people involved. Then it would have been much, then I wouldn't. the leak wouldn't have been a problem, but it was still at quite a sensitive stage so whoever's leaked it, and it, who's to say it's been? Who's to say somebody involved in the bid has leaked it? It's probably an enterprising journalist. I mean, Josh Roberts, Robinson, sorry, at the Wall Street Journal, is a fantastic journalist. So who's to say he's just not got it from people around the, fo- the football world? It's a small world, football. It doesn't have to be that, Ash, that Ashley's leaked it or Staveley's leaked it. But then what happens? And I know I don't know whether you can ask this. What happens after that is? then we all get involved and try and call our contacts. And so everybody says, and I saw a few people say, oh, well, nobody, yeah, all these journalists pretending they knew all about it and now they know everything under the sun about it after it's leaked and stuff. It's like, it's not that. 
it's that when a story comes out, you then hit your contacts and some of them will go, okay, well, I wasn't going to tell you, but this is accurate. That's not accurate. Simple as that. That's how it works. Lots of claims on, on deadlines and ultimatums. Now, Lee Ryder has written a piece this morning, yep. um, which is the 29th of January. Um, and he says there might actually still the sanction a deal um, and there's no deadline given. Um, a lot of people, Jim White was one of them on Talk Sports saying it could happen within 48 or 72 hour, two hours. Another report saying Friday's a big deal. Um, but I mean, from what we understand, it, there is still not a deal on the table per se and that's still got to come. Well, I have to, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know whether... If people ask you about whether it has a bid been made, what's on the table, um, let's put it this way, they're not going to talk for months and months and months without some form of, um, you know, it's not It's not a kind of, if we can get hold of the money, would this be acceptable, uh, this? It seems to me as if it is, you know, as if a proposal's there and certainly the buying side say that the proof of funds is there. Um, I don't can't speak for Jim White or the other reports, but for me, it feels like sometimes the kind of, 48 hours to do a deal, 72 hours to do a deal. They, they are they are things that um, are said that sound very good. It's good journaling. It sounds good, doesn't it, to say 48 hours to get a deal done. But, you know, and I think, look, we are in a really critical stage and it feels like it could be done or knocked down at any time. But... At the same, by the same token, if it's been going on for four months, we're right at the end of the transfer window, so it's not going to get done in time to make a difference to Friday, in my opinion, because the Premier League have to ratify it before they can get, you know, they can pump all the money in unless they agree to lend money to, you know, I mean that could, in theory, happen, but you know, it's what we're talking here at ten past three on Wednesday and the deadline's at eleven o'clock on Friday, so that that doesn't feel realistic, so. Why is there? Um, why does it have to be within forty-eight to seventy-two hours? You know, you'll have. You know, it obviously would need if it's going to get done. It would be great if it was done with a long run to the summer, where you could then make a load of strategic decisions about where the football club goes. Um, but why does it need to be done in seventy-two hours? I don't understand that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where Jim White's getting his information from. Um, but Lee is speaking to people right at the top of the you know right in within it an ultimate what the ultimatum idea is like you know i just don't see that and and they're saying a decision could be made by the end i think one of the stories is a decision expected to be made by the end of the week or could be made by the end of the week well i suppose it makes it some sense that you, how long do you need to kind of mull it over but it could be that ashley gets around i mean i think probably what will happen is ashley gets around the table now um or he instructs his lawyers to get around the table and asks for a load of things he'll probably look at it and say if the Saudi wealth fund are there the asking price is the same but this is what I want this is the these are the terms that I want um, if you've got the Saudis there none of this should be a problem he said in the Daily Mail interview didn't it why would an extra 5 to 10 million be a problem if you had all this limitless wealth well it'll probably be those kind of hard decisions that are being taken now and are they going to get made by the end of the week or is it going to go a little bit longer than that? Um, you know, I'm always sceptical of the kind of the idea that it's going to be done within days because, I mean, I think one of the original reports said it was could be done by Tuesday. Well, it's Wednesday, three o'clock now. It's not been done. Why do we have to put, you know, and I think it just adds to a feeling amongst the supporters of, 
urgency of questioning and why and why don't we have an answer yet? And um, you know, I know that some of the fans are like, you know, you know, it's sort of cans. Should we get the cans out? Should we put the cans in the back in the fridge? All this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it just adds to that idea of urgency. And you know, I've been here for over a decade now, and Newcastle United fans are not generally known for their um, on Twitter anyway, are not generally known for their kind of patience in terms of letting stuff just play out. Um, and it just doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help. And I and I think what Lee's what Lee's written is absolutely correct. You know, it, it, there's no ultimatum, there's no deadline. The sooner the better for all parties. But it's it's now down to Mike Ashley, I think, to decide a whether he wants to sell the club, really wants to sell it, and b whether he judges this as the right bid to do to to do that. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. Well, that is the question there because he's been quoted in various places about um, if someone comes along with the money and the, the right people to take the club for, then he, he will sell it. I think a willing a willing buyer or something like that is, is the Does he say quote. he's a willing seller? Uh, yeah, I think he says if the, if the right uh, buyer comes along, he'll sell it. But, you know, there's been no denial that these talks have been going on. No, in fact, that, that's been uh, confirmed, I think. You know, as reasonable, it's not the cl- an official club line that the talks have taken place. They have taken place. I'll... I'll put my neck on the line and say that yeah they have so if you're dealing with a fund which is worth let's be honest quite a lot of money and then you reject to that, that people are going to turn around and say well actually look this man has X amount of money he can take the club forward it's going to be run by people who, who want to you know challenge for the top six and yet you've you, you rejected the bid and that's not going to that's not going to go mm. down well at all is it well I think then then what would happen if you if the bid is rejected or, or not or not taken seriously You'll then have a pretty bitter argument about um, about who was in the right and who was in the wrong, which is which is why there is you know resentment towards Ashley has picked up since the last Stavely bid in 2017 because different sides came out with different versions. He called her a time waster. She gave the interview to George Culkin at the Times in which she said, "Here's my three bids," and it was became a he said she said, literally a he said she said thing. And I think that you know Ashley would either reject it because. He didn't want to sell, really, which um, I don't believe that's the case because I, I I do think that he would sell, but only if the conditions are right, you know, and that means probably getting a good deal. Um, uh, or, or he would say, they said the Saudi funds were there. It wasn't quite as sold. It was, Maybe, you know, it could be that it's a group of private Saudi investors. It might not be the sovereign wealth and it might be people who involved in some way it could be a little bit more opaque than the Saudi wealth fund I, I feel that that's there's prob there could be something in that you know I, I know that people with knowledge of the Saudi situation sort of say why would the government buy Newcastle I mean the guy uh, Professor Simon Chadwick really interesting Twitter feed to follow if anybody's listening there it's it's, it's uh, prof underscore Chadwick isn't it and um, he raised a few few issues yesterday and, and you kind of think yeah it could be a private it could be a private group, um, and it's difficult to verify wealth in the Middle East. You know, Sheikh Khaled in the summer. Well, there were 
loads of conflicting reports about who who he was, what his wealth was, um, and you couldn't verify it independently. It was really difficult. So that that could be one explanation. Um, by and I, but I think I think that you you hit the nail on the head there about willing seller. Um, I think he I think he would he is willing to sell, but that is a difference between that and being a willing seller. And when the Kenyan thing was all kicking off, Newcastle were in the bottom three, looking like Rafa had just said it would be a miracle if they if they um, stayed up, and the feeling around the place was very much this is touch and go. The difference this time is they've got 30 points. They've got Norwich on Saturday. Um, you know, Steve Bruce has done a terrific job to get them to 30 points at this stage of the season. The pressure's off in that respect. He knows he's got another year of Premier League TV money coming unless the team totally and utterly collapsed, which, by the way, I don't think this is helpful for the team at all. I really don't, and nobody's really touched on that. Um, but unless they collapse totally, he's got another year of TV money, and the club is now in a position where it funds itself. Even the transfer business funds itself. So the urgency is off. So he feels he's probably getting on around the table in a more of a position of strength. So that would be why he might not sell. Um, and I think underneath it all, he actually quite likes owning Newcastle United. And I don't know for a fact. I think he does. I think he quite likes it, you know. That's my feeling. Um, I don't think he cares too much about the fact that there's a lot of people who um, don't like him here. I think he thinks he's onto something with Bruce and he thinks he's onto something now that the club is self self funding but um we'll see that that's just my opinion you know I have not spoken to him but he's, the way he talked in that daily mail interview as well made you think that he quite likes this and I bet if he sells Newcastle United he'll go and buy another football club and it'll be a club that he'll actually be able to make a success of sounds stupid but I really do think that if he went and bought a distressed League One club, a big or a big club in League Two or League One, and put the business model that he's got at Newcastle United in at a League One or League Two club, or even a small, you know, a distressed club in the Championship, he might have a lot of success there, and he might be actually, you know, a heroic figure rather than a villain as he is at Newcastle because he's made so many mistakes at Newcastle. Um, and it's just not. He's not going to. He's not going to make Newcastle success in the terms of turning them into a force again. Whereas this bid, if it's as sold, could do that. Lots of questions about how many cans can we break out. So instead of you answering those questions, just want to ask you to wrap up the the, the takeover talk. What happens next? Well, the only thing that happens next is is we get a confirmation from the club that the deal... I think in, in where, where we go next is Ashley is now probably, uh, you know, without having definitive word on this Ashley is round the table with or Ashley's people are now round the table with the consortium's people thrashing out what it actually takes to, to put this forward there'll be some pretty put up or shut up kind of messages from both sides I think now around the table um, and then the next step the next thing we'll hear will be deals done or forget it it's not happening Will someone jump out of the background and gizump the you know the, the PIF? You, you don't know, but I don't think so. It feels unlikely. I mean, I know the, the BBC, BBC Look North said Russia yesterday, and that's been mentioned behind the scenes. I mean, that, that's out in the open, as we may as well say it. We've heard that, haven't we? We've, we've heard that, the Russian thing, not being able to get an individual name. 
Um, Mexico, Oligis, um, GACP are out of the picture now, um, but the Oligi group still apparently have some interest. I think they, they, they're an interesting project, aren't they? I think they'd actually do a pretty good job, uh, but it'd be le- it wouldn't be the kind of, you know, funds would, funds would not be the same, and it would be a gradual pro- <coughs> process. <coughs> Don't think Kenyan is anywhere involved. I think, funnily enough, there's people trying to resurrect the Dubai thing, that's not in a position to move anywhere close at the moment. Um, I'm just getting out everything that I've been told here <laughs> behind the scenes that I've just thought, no, nah, I'm not going to mention any of that because all you get when you do takeover stories is, I don't believe you. But anyway, this is all I know. Um, anybody else? Supposedly there's another group in North America. Um, I think that's it. Um, but yeah, supposedly there's all these there's all these kind of other groups I don't think I think this is the this is the this is the one this is the one that that you know this is the one that's been worked on for a long time. Um, Stavely has made it her you know major focus in terms of football for the last two years, um, and you know the fun and game starts if it actually goes through because there'd be a hell of a lot of big questions, moral questions to be to be answered, um, and there'd be a, the old fun side of speculating on what comes next for the football club with with you know a very very healthy budget to do it um i think they'd strike the gu- the, the ground on a new training ground relatively quickly um, what, put some money in what's your gut feeling telling you then or is it kind of we just win so you're not going to put a yeah i don't want to do a i don't want to do a number or any of that kind of thing as i said i'm i'm kind of i think i've just been here before and said you this, must the yeah. amount of time you've been you must have seen at least seven or eight new owners in that time yeah I, although <laughs> You know, Kenyan last year was weird because that seemed as if it was going somewhere. But, you know, we all tried to scramble around for where the Kenyan money was coming from and no, you couldn't get an answer on that um, because the group that were mentioned, the, uh, I forgot who they were, who they were now, um, the group from New York who were mentioned. I can't remember. Hedge fund, wasn't it? It was a hedge fund. That was originally mentioned as they were backing them. Wasn't the Rock- Rockefeller? Rockefeller That's group. The one. But then... It turned out that they were just finding people who were going to try and invest in the group, and you sort of thought, right, well, you know. So, so that was weird. Um, the summer with Bin Zayed that lasted about forty-eight hours, where I was really optimistic, and then it just suddenly just all started to the sand became, you know, the, the, the moved out from it. Um, who else? Barry Moat, very early on. That that was very. Uh, I, th- I think that was. I wasn't sure about that one either. It was China a few years ago, wasn't there as well? Um, but again, they, those were all sort of like this is you know we're not sure. This one feels in the scheme of things. I think we've done about nine, haven't we? We've got about this is about the ninth of the last ten years. This one feels to me more serious than the others. The last one that I felt was serious was Staveley in twenty seventeen. I did feel. That there was so much noise around that one. I mean, we actually, I remember we went to a game dinner. I think you were you were there on the night and we recorded a podcast saying how great the news was that she was going to take over because the word from both sides seemed to tell, seemed to kind of coalesce around something's happening here. And a lot of people were caught out by that one because then it was rowed back in the next two or three days. That's not happened this time. Um, it's not been rowed back significantly, although there are some sceptics about this one as well. It feels more credible and more serious to me than before. But who knows? I could be in here in six months saying about the next group. 
And that's what I am fed up of, <laughs> to be honest, and I'm wary of, and I'm sure fans feel the same. Um, but, you know, as I said, it, it, there is that element to it. Of, it does feel like this could be the one. Um, I'm going to get picked up on some Twitter feed now, aren't I? <laughs> I can see it. This podcast being picked apart um, and the, the quote goes out without context and um, that's it. And then you get accused of uh, misleading people and that's unfortunately the, the name of the game. But listen to the whole thing. Yeah. See the context. And the context is countless other things that have happened. Um, but I've tried to set out everything I know. And just keep an eye on what Lee's writing because I know his contact is, is, is his not contact, his contacts are good on this. Um, so, you know, just keep an eye on what he's, what he's reporting because I do genuinely believe that, um, you know, we're in a position to kind of really well kind of analyse what's going on because we do have contacts of both sides. So um, even though the Wall Street Journal did the original reporting, you know, I like to think that we've been um, pretty good on it since. And uh, hey, it might break somewhere else, but we'll be able to kind of give that context. So, yeah, I think I've probably fudged it enough there. Well, there's a takeover. Just finding two questions on transfers, because while all this goes on, there is still a few days of the mm. transfer window left. Newcastle are still in need of... You would like to think two players coming in, a striker and a left-back to replace uh, Dummett and Willems. You're probably only going to get probably a wing-back. I think that is being tipped as a priority. Newcastle tipped for Danny Rose. A few questions from our listeners uh, over on Twitter. Will Danny Rose be a Newcastle player come the end of the transfer window, do you think? Well, apparently he wasn't at training today um, for Spurs. So I don't know whether he might have a knock or... um, he might just not have been seen there, and he might have trained later or whatever. But that suggests he could be he could be coming. Um, Steve Bruce desperate to bring him in. I think he think it would it would be a great great signing. Kind of makes sense for all parties. I think they've just signed somebody who can play on the left, haven't they? Or they're about to sign somebody who can play on the left. Um, he's not been in great form for Tottenham, so he needs a move. He needs to get away. Um, you know, I could see that one happening if the finances can be kind of put in place. You know, Newcastle, he's on a lot of money. Um, he's got two years left on his contract. Newcastle, you know, it would make sense and there's some money there to do it. So um, I wouldn't rule that one out. I wouldn't rule that one out. Bowen? So with with with, with him, um, I was told over the weekend that Hull's asking price was not, was not 18, 20 million. It's, it's 3 million loan fee. And twenty-five million as a permanent deal at the end of it. So the deal as a whole would be worth twenty-eight million, which is why Newcastle have walked away from it. They haven't walked away from it because it's eighteen million or nineteen million. They don't believe at this point of a player who's not played Premier League football is worth that kind of money. So would would Hull come down significantly to where Newcastle might do a deal at like eighteen, nineteen million with a three million loan fee? Um it's up to the whole end, isn't it? But I don't think they would because they'll probably not want to sell at that at that price. And then it becomes a live one in the summer. But Bruce likes him, but I think he's kind of aware of his limitations as well as his, uh, as well as the things he can do. Now, I, I think he'd be a great signing. Um, but, you know, you can kind of understand that's a big investment for Newcastle, isn't it? And you know, Alan Maximum was 20 million. So, you know, at the moment, unless Hull come down in price, probably not. Um, striker they're looking at a few things but you know they've got 
Bruce, Bruce kind of, I think, effectively killed that one after Everton, didn't he? In a way, by saying, um, I'm not going to bring anybody in unless they, because I've got Gail coming back, Mutu coming back, and Carol to come back. And, um, you know, he, 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 they wouldn't want to, you know, can they do a loan? I mean, the, the, the Paco Alsaka was mentioned, wasn't he, on uh, Sunday, which was like some. Football manager esque. Well, realistically, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure they've looked at him, but why write that story? <laughs> because he's not going to sign for Newcastle United. And, you know, it's great that it's being mentioned. It would be massive coup. And maybe they have looked at him, but, you know, he's a Spain, full Spain international. And he's going to be coming to a team that's had less possession, less shots than any other team in the Premier League. And, well, come on. Um, so, yeah, but but obviously Piatek was mentioned as well. Um, I don't think they'll do a strike here. They might sort of find something at the last minute, but I don't think so. I mean, Segtosin was a kind of the level I think they were looking at and um, Bruce said no, because he, I think Bruce's attitude from the from what you, you hear in the in the transfer meeting with Ashley was very much along the lines of, Let's do something, but only if it improves the team because I want to have that extra money to spend in the summer. As it turns out, who knows what's going to happen in the summer, but, um, you know, and I think, look, the one thing I'd like to say at the end of it, by the way, if this does happen, for all those people who've knocked Steve Bruce, and I remember saying at the time when we thought the Stavely thing in 2017 had happened, we said, give Rafa all the credit in the world for this club being... Uh, uh, you know, being put on the pedestal of seeing what can seeing what it can be because Rafa was there. Well, if it does happen, let's give Steve Bruce a bit of credit. He'd have an important part to play in this because I'll tell you what, the deal would not be happening if the team or the, the kind of the talks would not be anywhere near where they are if the team looks as if they were going to get relegated. Because I can't see the Saudi uh, sovereign wealth fund looking at a championship club, and Steve Bruce has got them to thirty in a really difficult circumstances you know there's some fans who who mainly reside on Twitter I think who can't wait to climb into Bruce every time the team lose a game um, and look he's not perfect he's not he's not Guardiola um, but I think he's handled himself really really well since the, from the moment he walked in in through the door um, the team have got some good results you know the right attitude to the FA Cup um, they've got flaws definitely Saturday was rubbish. Um, but he's very honest about where they are. Admits they're not great. I, I think it's just, you know, don't lose sight of that. And I think my final point, and I don't know, probably nobody's asking about it because nobody's bothered about the football, but I just hope this takeover talk doesn't derail the season because Saturday and Tuesday are massive. Newcastle have two huge games coming up and nobody's talking about it. Season defining. Mass, yeah, of course. You know, under any other circumstances, Friday, Saturday, Tuesday would be the biggest, you know, was it Friday to Tuesday? It's the biggest five days or four days in Newcastle United season by a long, long way because they've got Friday to, to get through and maybe add somebody to, to, add, to add to that. Saturday is a game in which effectively I think they can get, they can be as good as one foot in the Premier League next year if they win that game. And it's not an easy game because you saw on Saturday what happens when Newcastle are expected to win a match. It doesn't go that way. It doesn't always go that way. 
And of course, you mentioned the record as well against the teams around them. It's They've not, not as good, done... is it? Yeah, I mean, they, Norwich absolutely took them apart at, at Carrow Road. That's a really important game. And then they go into Oxford, which I think is another really tough game for them because Oxford have, you know, done really well at home in their in the cups. They'll it'll be uh, Newcastle were, were poor in the first game, poor at Rochdale. Um, two games they've got to balance the need, the demands of the squad. Um, really important you know all three of those things could go wrong and we could be sitting here going oh we've been talking about a takeover for five days that's still playing out and the season's gone so you know um, I, I think that I think probably by Friday if this deal isn't done we've got to start thinking about the next four days and just let this takeover stuff play out in the background and I think maybe then get past Tuesday and if it hasn't happened by then and then start asking the big questions again but that's that you know it's such an important four or five days in the season well you have it Mark thank you very much for joining us Uh, just pop your cans back in the fridge for now but please do remember to like and subscribe to the podcast head over to Chronicle Live to keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news thank you very much